listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. To learn more about Central Sanford, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Brumbach. We are starting a new series today called Jesus Skeptics, a Doubters, uh, a Guide to Faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to begin in John chapter 1. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to John chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse number 43. John chapter 1 and verse number 43. The Bible says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you and when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You know, we live in a day of skepticism. We live in a day where people are really skeptical of everything they hear, everything they watch, between watching things on the news or reading things online or even things that people tell you. We have this thought, well, there's fake news that's out there, and it's getting really hard to figure out truth from fiction. It's really, really hard in our day to, to, to figure out, well, who and what can I believe and who and what can I trust? You know, what is the real source of truthful information? As we've been going through uh, this COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot of questions as where can we get the source of information that we need? But even in life, we, we begin to question a lot of things. We, we question the government. Can we trust our government? Can we trust our political leaders? Can we trust big businesses? Can we trust our friends? Can, can we trust our families, what they're telling us? Can, can we trust our church or, or can we even trust Christianity? You know, as Generation Z, which is the current generation that's growing up in our world, as they continue to grow up, I believe that there is, and, and there already has been, a seismic shift in worldview. Generation Z is a, um, a biblically illiterate, post-Christian, pragmatic, fully digital, highly skeptical generation. Now, some of you, regardless of whether you're in Generation Z or not, maybe you're a millennial or a Gen Xer, or maybe you're a boomer or a builder, regardless, many of you that are watching, you have your own questions. You have big questions in your life, genuine questions about the future, about faith. And some of you may even have big questions about Jesus and Christianity. So the purpose of this series this morning is, as we kick this off, is that we are wanting to help you see that Jesus is the true answer to every one of your questions. And so we're going to be going through the life of Jesus, how people that were skeptical of him, how Jesus encountered them. And this morning we're beginning with a guy named Nathaniel. Nathaniel, to my knowledge, is the first recorded Jesus skeptic in the Gospels. He is not an atheist. 
He's not an agnostic. As a matter of fact, he's a Hebrew. He is an Israelite. He is a theologian. He is a Bible student, but yet he is genuinely skeptical of Jesus. But as we are going to see in our text this morning, that Jesus knows exactly how to address Nathaniel's skepticism. As a matter of fact, here's what you're going to see this morning. Nathaniel's skepticism of Jesus is going to be overcome by Jesus' personal insight into Nathaniel's life. So let's look at that this morning. Number one, I want you to see Nathaniel's skepticism of Jesus. Nathaniel's skepticism of Jesus. In verse, verse uh, 43, the Bible says that the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Jesus has just been in the Jordan River area with John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been ministering there. He'd been baptizing people. And Jesus was there uh, and even was baptized by John the Baptist, as the Bible says, to fulfill all righteousness. But while John was baptized, baptizing uh, people there, Jesus was standing on the shore and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And it's there in that moment that a a young man uh, by the name of Andrew and Peter met Jesus. These are two brothers that were from the town of Bethsaida. The town Bethsaida uh, is, uh, in, in the Hebrew, the meaning is the house of the fishermen. And this is in the northern part of, of Israel in the, the area known as the Galilees. And it is there that Jesus says uh, to them, follow me. And so Jesus now has a fellowship of Andrew and Peter. And then Jesus decides to go to the Galilean region. And so when he goes to the town, the hometown of Andrew and the hometown of Peter, he finds a guy named Philip. Philip also is from the town of Bethsaida, and he says to Philip, follow me. So here you have now Andrew, who finds Peter, introduces Peter to Jesus, and then now you have a guy named Philip, who is now introduced to Jesus, and now these three are following Jesus. But in verse 45... The Bible says that after Philip had met Jesus, that he went and found Nathanael. Now, what we kind of can gather is that Philip, uh, Philip and Nathanael were, 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 were boys. They, they were friends. I mean, they, they were besties. They, they were those uh, two guys that they just kind of knew each other, had a great rapport. Now, in the other Gospels, in the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Nathanael is referred to as Bartholomew. And some of you maybe, you think, well, uh, is, what's his name? Is his name Nathanael? Is his name Bartholomew? Well, Bartholomew was kind of his last name. It's the word Bartolomai, which, is, which literally means the son of Ptolemy. It's just kind of like your last name. Like, so my last name is Brumbach. And so sometimes, uh, and, and you know, especially when I played sports, people say, well, there's Brumbach. Well, my first name is Alan. Well, Nathaniel's first name was Nathaniel. And his friends called him Nathaniel. Maybe they called him Nate Dog. I don't know. But he actually, as you read scripture, he grew up in a town of Cana, which is also in Galilee. And it's, it's not too far from Bethsaida. But Nathaniel was probably, maybe we're assuming, a fisherman, just like uh, uh, Andrew and Peter. Or he was someone that was just now living in the area of Beth- uh, uh, Bethsaida. Regardless, Philip here comes to his friend, and he says to Nathaniel, we have found him. 
And Philip in this kind of includes himself, that he is now a follower of Jesus. Now, he has been, uh, Philip is before this, uh, he's a Jewish man, he uh, understands the Old Testament scriptures, and now he comes to his best friend, his boy Nathaniel, and he says, hey, we have found him. He is so excited. He wants to tell Nathaniel about this one, and he says, this is the one that the law and the prophets pointed to. That, that is, he is the real deal. He is the fulfillment of the hopes and dreams of our people that, that we've been dreaming for for centuries. Now, Nathaniel was very aware of the Old Testament scriptures, so he knew what Philip and knew what he was exactly talking about. And then Philip says, well, this is who he is. He is Jesus of Nazareth. He is the son of Joseph. He is Jesus bar Yosef. Now, he's not here. Philip is not denying the virgin birth of Jesus. What, what he's saying is in this day, uh, Jesus is essentially his last name would be bar Joseph because his adopted dad was Joseph. And he grew up in the town of Nazareth. Yes, he was born in the little town of Bethlehem, but the family moved to Nazareth. And there he was living in his mother's hometown in a small village in northern Galilee. Nazareth, uh, to, th to that day, was, was known to be a very insignificant town. Uh, up until this point, it was never mentioned in the Old Testament, never mentioned in the Talmud, never mentioned in the Midrash, and no one famous had ever come from there. So Nathaniel hears Philip. Philip is so excited. Hey, we found the one. He's the guy. He's the one that we've been praying for. And who is he? Well, he is Jesus of Nazareth. And immediately Nathaniel says, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Nathaniel had the, his own answer re rehearsed. The answer is no. No one good, nothing good can come from Nazareth. See, in Nathaniel's day, people in the, in the area of Judea and Jerusalem, they, they looked down on Galileans. So if you were from like the big city of Jerusalem, if you met anybody from the Galilees, you're thinking like they're, they're from like uh, Geneva. Uh, they're, they're from the other side of the world. And then all the people that were in the Galilean region, they all looked down on the people of Nazareth. So, so here you have the people of Judea looked down on the Galileans, and the people that were Galileans, they looked down on the people of Nazareth. And see, the city of Cana, which is where Nathaniel was from, was about 10 miles away from Nazareth. So Nathaniel had a kind of a cross-area cross rivalry. He has a great disdain because there was, the city of Nazareth was just kind of known to be filled with criminals, to be filled with low lives. There's just nothing there. So in his mind, in Nathaniel's mind, there is absolutely no way that the Messiah would come from the town of Nazareth. And if you read this, it's almost as if he's like an intellectual and religious snob. He rejects Jesus based on where Jesus is from. Because in his mind, his view is that anyone from Nazareth came from the backwoods, was unsophisticated, and was unenlightened. And there's no way in the world that the Messiah would have a background like that. Because even if you just read and look into the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't fit most people's presuppositions for what a Messiah would be. And in Nathaniel's mind, Jesus did not fit his theological or intellectual categories. And so he's already negatively stereotyped Jesus by just hearing from where he's from. You know, I found that in our day, people don't mind a Jesus that's a political rebel. 
People don't mind Jesus the guru. People don't mind Jesus the right-wing right, right wing crusader. They don't mind Jesus the left-wing activist. They don't mind Jesus the, down, uh, the, 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 the Dan Brown version married with three kids. They don't mind a Jesus who never lived. But what they do not like and what they do not want is the biblical Jesus. People love the Jesus who loves people with no anger and no wrath. People love the Jesus who heals people without any demands. People love Jesus who calls them to serve others, but not to talk about sin. And what we have in our day is we have people that want Jesus of their own imagination. They are skeptical of the Jesus that makes them feel uncomfortable. They're skeptical of the Jesus that does not fit their personal, philosophical, intellectual, and moral boxes. And so in in their mind, in our day, and maybe some of you, you feel this way, is that any Jesus that restricts what you want to do is a bad Jesus. You know, some of you that are listening to me right now, you grew up in church. And maybe you grew up in a Christian home. And you're thinking about this, and you're thinking about Jesus, and you're saying, you know what, I've been there. I've done that. I've tried the church thing. I've tried the religious thing. I grew up with hearing uh, hellfire and damnation. I I grew up reading the Bible, and I just come to the conclusion that that that's just not for me, that that stuff is just just not what I want. You know, somehow maybe you have researched and read the tenets of Christianity, and you say, you know what, that's not me. That's not what I think things should be. I want something uh, I want something else. I want something a little less constraining. And, and that's what's going on with a lot of people. Is that they, they want a Jesus that's less constraining. They, they want a religion. They want a relationship with God that, that doesn't really require anything other than just a warm fuzzy. Uh, I was reading uh, this week in, in People magazine that Miley Cyrus was being interviewed by Haley Bieber. Now, that's the Biebs' wife. <laughs> and this was in People magazine. And, and they talked about uh, uh, Justin Bieber and his wife, Haley Bieber, are known to be Christians. And, and they were having an interview with Miley Cyrus, well-known person. And um, they, they were talking about Christianity. They were talking about religion. And here's what Miley said. She said this. She said, I was raised as a believer, but fell off that path as an adult. I had a hard time finding a relationship with God that worked for me as an adult. So if I'm allowed to redesign my relationship with God as an adult and make it feel, and, and make it feel, uh, and make it how it feels most accepting to me, then that would make me feel so less turned off by spirituality. In other words, she kind of wants to deconstruct Christianity. She wants a Christianity that she feels comfortable with. And a lot of people, maybe even you, you've been turned off by Christianity because you feel it's constricting, especially when it comes to sexual liberation. Many people in our day have shunned Christianity because of its sexual ethic, or they've tried to redefine Christianity to fit their own personal desires. But some of you, like Nathaniel, maybe you view Christianity the same way Nathaniel did when it came to thinking of Nazareth. See, when Nathaniel heard the, the, the word Nazareth, all he did was roll his eyes. Some of you, when you hear about Christianity or when you think about Jesus, maybe you're just kind of like Nathaniel. You kind of dismiss it. You roll your eyes. You say that's completely illogical or irrational. Or, or Christianity is just unsubstantiated and out of date. And some people just, just dismiss it. It's just something that was there. It's good for you, but it's not necessarily good for me. Or maybe some of you despise Christianity and you hate it. 
And, and I don't even know why exactly you're watching it online right now, but maybe God has brought you to this moment. But you, you're turned off by Christianity, and you see it as, as the cause of all the problems in the world. That it, It's all because of these Christians that we have wars, and we have the political problems that we have. If Christians would just lay down their, their preconceived notions and just kind of go along to get along and tolerate with people, then the world would be a better place. And really what you get with Nathaniel is you see here that it's Nathaniel's pride and his prejudice that blinded him from considering the possibility that Jesus Christ, who's from Nazareth, could be the Messiah. And I think the same is true today, that people are blinded by their pride and their prejudice, but yet they're kind of doing it in a more sophisticated way. You know, some people in our day argue that all religious claims have to, have to be, uh, pardon me, let me say this again. Some argue that all religious claims to have a better view of things are arrogant and wrong. But if you think about that statement, if, if someone says that all religious claims of any kind of exclusivity, if you make that claim you're arrogant and wrong, well think about that statement on its own terms is arrogant and wrong. You know, no absolute truth, if someone says, you know, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, no absolute truth is an absolute truth statement. Skeptics in our day believe that any exclusive claim to a superior knowledge of spiritual reality cannot be true. But yet that objection in and of itself is a religious belief, and it's also an absolute truth statement because it assumes, it doesn't just assume, it says that God is unknowable or you can make up God to be whatever you want to be. And, and I'll, see, I'll, I'll share with you what I believe is, is the issue, is that those who are skeptical of Christianity are often the very ones who condemn Christianity. And they condemn Christianity, and the very thing they want to do in condemning Christianity is the very thing they are claiming that Christians are doing, is that they're being exclusive, they're being narrow-minded. So here Nathaniel is told about Jesus, but he immediately is skeptical of him. And the reason why he's skeptical of him is all because Jesus didn't fit the boxes that Nathaniel had in his mind of what Jesus should be. But yet, how does Jesus deal with this skepticism, that Jesus doesn't fit in the category boxes that you think he should be? How does Jesus approach Nathaniel? Well, he does it with supernatural insight. In verse 47, the Bible says here that Jesus saw Nathaniel who, if you remember, Philip said to Nathaniel, hey, you're saying can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip says, hey, come and let's see. And so Nathaniel is now with Philip. And, and, and one thing that you have to give Nathaniel some credit for is he wasn't disrespectful of his friend. Philip said, come and see. Nathaniel goes. And Nathaniel goes with him to meet the man from Nazareth. Now, maybe in Nathaniel's mind, he has very low expectations. Maybe he's kind of hoping for an I told you so moment with his friend Philip. But the one thing I want you to note is that his dismissal of Jesus does not keep him from being curious. So as soon as Jesus sees Nathaniel, Jesus says to Nathaniel, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Very first thing, right out of that, Nathaniel walks up, meets the man from Nazareth, and the man from Nazareth just reads his lunch, reads his mail, (laughs) and tells him everything about him. He says to him, you are a true Israelite. You are a true Jew. You are a true Jew that is straight-talking, outspoken, and truthful. Now, others in Nathaniel's day may have kind of thought Nathaniel was a little abrasive. He's a little rude. 
But Jesus here comes out, and he's, and he's being generous. He's not flattering Nathaniel. He's just engaging Nathaniel. Nathaniel's skepticism of Jesus is not a deterrent to Jesus to be his friend. And, and I want you to, if you, if you read the Gospels, one of the ironies is, is of Jesus' friends. Almost all of Jesus' friends doubted him before they ever trusted him. And so in verse 48, Nathaniel is kind of surprised. He, he sees Jesus come to him and just right out of the gate says, Hey, I know who you are. You're an Israelite indeed with whom there is no deceit. You're a straight-talking man. And Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? Like, have you been Facebook stalking me? We've never met before. And you act like you know me? How, how do you know me? And you know, I'm sure Jesus wanted to say at that moment, I created you, Nathaniel. I, I love you, Nathaniel. I know everything about you. But you know, I think the better question we need to ask is not so much, God, how do you know me? But why is it that you would ever care to know me? Now, Jesus says to Nathaniel in, his, in response to that question, how do you know me? He says, well, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I don't know if Nathaniel's like, wow, big brother, <laughs> there's something going on here. But, but the fact here that Jesus talks about the fig tree, I think is very important. One, I think it proves to you that none of this stuff is made up. Because who's going to make up something about a fig tree? And what we do know is this, is that we don't know what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. We have no idea. Tim Keller, in his book on, on this particular passage of Scripture, says this. He says, all that matters is this, is that Nathaniel couldn't believe that Jesus knew about it. So whatever's going on under the fig tree, it was so private, it was so significant, it was so astounding to Nathaniel that Jesus would know what he was doing under that fig tree and still affirm him. Now, a lot of scholars say that Nathaniel was probably under the fig tree studying the scriptures and, and having a lot of questions within himself because typically underneath trees is where people would study. But, but as we kind of think even more about this, underneath Nathaniel's very loud skepticism is a need that all of us have and that none of us can escape. You know what the greatest need that a lot of us have? We need answers. You think about with COVID-19. What's the one thing we want? We have a lot of questions. What can we do? What's going to happen? And, and because of that, we need answers. People are watching daily the presidential updates. What's now the new news that's going out there? We have questions and we need answers. You know, in life, you may have a lot of big questions. My kids constantly ask me questions all the time. And the reason why we ask questions and they ask questions is because we want answers. So maybe the reason why Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree is because he was looking for answers to questions that were bothering him so much. See, Nathaniel was just like any other young Israeli man in that generation. He was a man who grew up as an Israelite, understanding the, 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 the word of God and God's promises, and yet he was living every day under the oppression of the Romans. And so in his mind, he had no idea what was the purpose of all this suffering. God, why were you allowing this to happen? What's going on here? And probably within Nathaniel, there was an identity crisis going on. He was searching for answers to the very fundamental questions of life, such as for a, for a Jewish man, should I still be looking for the Messiah? Or is that all just made up? What's the future of my people? Has God rejected us forever? What's the purpose? What's the meaning of life? 
And as we kind of look through this passage, we see that Nathaniel wasn't satisfied with the answers that he had gotten from other people, and he wasn't satisfied with his own conclusions. You know, often there are things that happen in our lives that make people skeptical, that make you skeptical. Maybe some of you, you went to church and you were abused emotionally, spiritually, or maybe even physically by the church, and now you're completely skeptical. Maybe some of you have gone through other trauma situations of suffering or other things that have just led you to be very skeptical, very critical. But here's what I want you to note about about this situation. Jesus here meets Nathaniel where Nathaniel was. And as Jesus engages him, he engages him at the level that Nathaniel can understand. Nathaniel was known to be a blunt person. Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus bluntly speaks truth with insight into Nathaniel's life, and Nathaniel listens to Jesus, and he believes. As a matter of fact, in verse 49, notice the progression that's here. He says to to Jesus, he says, first he calls him rabbi. Then he says, you are the son of God. And then he says, you are the king of Israel. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He says, you're the teacher. You are God. The son of God is the same as calling Jesus God. And he says, you are the king of Israel. You are Hamashiach. You are the Messiah that has come to set God's people free. And it's amazing that once Jesus gave him some credible evidence for who he was, Nathaniel quickly changed his allegiances immediately to Jesus. And as you kind of read this, it's almost as if it was too quick because in verse 50, you hear Jesus kind of gently rebuking Nathaniel. He says to Nathaniel, he says, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe, you will see greater things than these. He's like, listen, dude, first you were skeptical. Now you want to follow me. But, but you don't have any idea, Nathaniel, who I really am. What, what we've just had here, me giving you some insight, seeing you under the fig tree, that was kind of an emotional experience, but I don't want you to be impressed by what you've heard of me. I don't want you to be impressed by just mere appearances because you don't understand who I am yet. You haven't seen nothing yet. And then verse 51, he's going to say something that, that Nathaniel's going to understand a little bit, but not completely. He says... He says, truly, truly, I say unto you, you, Nathaniel, are going to see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the, on the Son of Man. Now, what was he referring to? Nathaniel knew exactly what he was referring to. He's referring to Jacob's dream in Genesis 28. In Genesis 28, God gave Jacob a dream, and in this dream, Jacob had a, a picture, a vision of a ladder, and a ladder here that connected between heaven and earth. And in Jacob's dream... God was showing him that somehow, someday, there would be a connection between heaven and earth, that people can go up and be in the presence of God. Now, earlier in Genesis 11, the people uh, in the town of Babel arrogantly tried to build a tower to climb up to heaven. They tried to build their own ladder, but what happened is it fell and God confounded the people. And the reason why it failed is because there's a barrier between God and us. And that barrier is sin. And there's no way that any of us on our own can ever get to God. We can do whatever we want. We can try whatever we want. We can be as good as we think we can be, as religious. We can do anything that we feel like would have pleased God, but we'll never make it. What we need to get to God is we need God to provide the way. So 
Jesus says here to Nathaniel, listen, you're going to see Jacob's ladder. You're going to see with your own eyes a connection between heaven and earth. And, and the question is not, where is that ladder? The question is, who is the ladder? And Jesus says, the, the, the ladder to get to God is me, the Son of Man. You're going to see the sons of God ascending and descending, the angels of God ascending and descending. Because what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel and what Jesus is saying to you today is that he is the true ladder. He is the true connector. He is the great redeemer. He is the wonderful fixer, mender, and restorer of all things. Jesus came to this world to connect the unconnectable. Jesus came from heaven to earth to bring us from earth to heaven. Jesus is the answer to every question and the solution to every problem. Jesus came in to Nathaniel gently and lovingly showing him I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That whatever you think, whatever your expectations are of what a Messiah is, I'm blowing them out of the water. Nathaniel, you may be looking for a Messiah who will overthrow Roman opposition. You may be looking for a Messiah who will make Israel great again. But what I am going to do is something that is far greater because I'm not, I'm not just here to overthrow Rome. I am here to defeat evil, sin, and death. I am here to change the world forever. So whatever you are looking for pales in comparison to what I'm going to do. And those of you this morning that are listening to me and you're skeptical of Christianity because Jesus doesn't fit your boxes, understand your boxes aren't big enough for him to fit in. He blows your boxes out of the water because Jesus came to do what you cannot do. And he's here to give you the answer, the only answer that really makes sense in your life. So here's what I want to say as we end. If you're a skeptic of Christianity, I want to urge you, don't remain that way. Be, be open to the man from Nazareth because he is the answer to the questions that are bothering you so much. But, but I want to also say this. Don't just turn to Christianity because you think it will meet your deep emotional needs. Or, or don't turn to Christianity because you think if, if I do so, I'm going to be a better person or I'm not going to be lonely anymore. Don't turn to Jesus because you think you'll have a better life than you can have on your own. Those things aren't necessarily wrong, but if you come to Jesus simply on those terms, you may end up feeling confused. Only turn to Jesus because you believe He is who He says He is. Don't believe in the gospel because it makes you feel good, but believe in the gospel because in your heart you know that it's true. See, when you embrace Jesus, you will always find him to be far more than you ever imagined. Whatever you are expecting, whatever you're dreaming, whatever you're hoping for, you will find something far greater in the man from Nazareth. Because that's what Nathaniel got. He started as a skeptic. But as we read church history, church history tells us that after the resurrection of Jesus, we're literally... On the cross, Nathaniel saw heaven open up. And that, that connection between heaven and earth opened through the person of Jesus. And then Jesus raises from the dead. And, and church history tells us that, that, that Nathaniel went east. He, he went to Persia. He went to modern day Iran. And then he made it all the way to India. Preaching the gospel. 
sharing with everybody that he could about the man from Nazareth. And we really are not 100% sure about his death, but most scholars tend to believe, and based on the tradition, that Nathaniel, uh, as he was preaching the gospel in India, was, was captured, and he was taken out on a boat, he was tied up in a sack, and he was cast into the sea to die. You think about that. You know, the only way that Nathaniel could die for Jesus is because he was absolutely convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. Nathaniel put his entire faith and life and trust in the man from Nazareth. And so my question is this, have you done that? Have you put your faith and trust in the man from Nazareth? Have you given him your life? Have you embraced him? Not not just so that you feel good, but because in your heart you are convinced it is true. See, Jesus knows you. He knows everything about you, and he still loves you. And so today, you can trust him. If you are a believer, if you have trusted Jesus, then share him with everybody. Take this next week and invite everybody you can to have a relationship with Jesus. Go on to your social media and do a two-minute testimony. Share what Jesus has done in your life. But if you're here and you need Jesus, I want to invite you right now. I'm going to pray with you. And while I'm praying, I want to invite you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone bow your heads. Close your eyes. And if you're here today and you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus... I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you're true. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And I put my faith in you. I trust you. I ask God, though, that you forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the ways that I have tried to live for myself or tried to earn my own salvation. And and Jesus, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. For more information or how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.